I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. Last night we read Samuel chapter 19. We finished it. And in Samuel 19, some of the highlights, because Brock fell asleep, which is fine. Actually, I love it when that happens. Your mom falls asleep. If we watch a sermon at night or your mom falls asleep and she always feels bad. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, don't you know it's the best thing? The word brings you peace. And the word should bring peace to our soul. You never have to feel guilty. I love it that she falls asleep. That the word gives her peace and when she hears it, it's like a sweet song. It puts her to sleep. And you are just like your mother, Brock. Yeah. It's yeah. like Brock has part of mom in it. Uh-huh. And him. That's right. So it's pretty cool. The highlights from chapter 19. Jonathan was courageous in standing up for David and for speaking the truth to his father. David's wife and Saul's daughter, Michal, tricked Saul and the people that Saul had sent to find David. And David ran off and went to Samuel and then Saul sent men to go get David. And, and each time he sent men, they um, were prophesying and never came back with David. Right. And then Saul himself went and started prophesying. That's right. The Lord is always working, and when he is ready to work in a specific area, there's no stopping him. We are on chapter 20. Then David fled from Noeth to Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to take my life? Never, Jonathan replied. You are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything, great or small, without confiding in me. Why would he hide this from me? It's not so. But David took an oath and said, Your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this, or he will be grieved. Yet, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, Whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. So David said, Look, 
tomorrow is the new moon festival, and I am supposed to dine with the king. But let me go and hide in the field until the evening of the day after tomorrow. If your father misses me at all, tell him. David earnestly asked my permission to hurry to Bethlehem, his hometown, because an an annual sacrifice is being made there for his whole clan. If he says, very well, then your servant is safe. But if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he is determined to harm me. As for you, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. If I am guilty, then kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? Never, Jonathan said. If I had the least inkling that my father was determined to harm you, wouldn't I tell you? David asked, Will you tell me if your father answers you harshly? Come, Jonathan said. Let's go out into the field. So they went there together. So you get this picture. Dave, uh, Jonathan doesn't know exactly where his father, where his father's heart is at, and what his father wants to do. And David's seen it clearly, because he knows that Jonathan will tell him not to, and he doesn't want to do that. Sometimes we scratch our head, like, what, what's the deal with all this detail? But if you really, if you really think of your life. Maybe you boys aren't that aware of this yet, and that's that's good, you know, because we shouldn't be living our life based on trying to control our flesh and with a constant wondering of rather we're doing what's good and what's evil. That was brought into the world when we decided to reject what God had told us. Before then, we really didn't have a knowledge of good and evil. It is better for us not to be preoccupied with whether or not we're acceptable because we're doing good and not doing evil. It would be better if we were consumed in a relationship loving the Father and being loved by the Father. If we were doing that, that would answer all the questions of rather what we are doing was good or evil. Everything thereafter would be changed. So we don't want to live there, but when we read verses like this, I think we can look at it and say, what's going on here? And I see so much of Saul in myself, and it's not a part of myself that I'm proud of. I'm growing. I'm not fully mature in where I, w I want to be, but I'm so much farther down the path of maturity and growth than when I was a young man. And I see Saul, and I see so much of me, where he knows if he, I'll put it like this, guys. I have literally been in the middle of considering whether or not I'm going to sin. And something that could potentially stop me will happen. Maybe I get a call from my mom or Victor. And it's such a, why are they calling me right now? You know, sometimes it comes out of nowhere. It's almost like the Lord just put them, put me on their heart so that they could help me in my moment of need. But you know what I do? I know I have before decided 
I'm not going to take that call because I know if I take it, I'm not going to do this sin that I really want to do because I'll be, I'll be changed. I'll, I'll actually experience a form of real love and acceptance rather than this fake form of love and acceptance that I'm chasing after. And we all do this in a sense, even if it's just like, well, I'm I don't actually want to do this sin, but I want to get close to it. I don't want to eat the apple, but I'd sure like to look at it. I don't want to eat the apple, but I'd sure like to see if it smells like good fruit. I'd like to hold it. And before you know it, you're nibbling on it. And before you know it, you're just engorging the whole thing. A lot of it starts because we have an out that can help us but we just choose to deny it. And that's where Saul is. He has someone to keep him in check and to help be a voice of righteousness and reason in his life. And instead of listening to that voice, he just decides to ignore it. I'm not even going to bring this up to Jonathan because he'll stop me from doing this sin. And I don't care what he says. I want to do this sin. That's really what we have going on here. And David, I would presume, has been in close fellowship with the Lord. And the Lord has probably given him this vision, has probably given him this word to tell Jonathan, ask your dad these two things, and his heart will be revealed in the way he answers you. And if I'm wrong, if I'm a liar, if I'm making all this up, kill me right now. But I'm not a liar. I mean, David feels he has strong conviction. In verse 12, it says, Then Jonathan said to David, By the Lord, the God of Israel, this is when they went out into the field, I will surely sound out my father by this time, the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably disposed toward you, I will not send you word and let you know. But if my father is inclined to harm you, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. If I do not let you know and send you away safely, may the Lord be with you as he has been with my father, but show me unfailing kindness like that of the Lord as long as I live, so that I may not be killed, and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him, because he loved him as he loved himself. That is the end of verse 17. We're still in the middle of the chapter. Loving someone as you love yourself is a hard thing. What I mean by that is, we may feel like we love somebody a lot, but in my experience, love has taken time for me to grow into. Not as much with kids, That's that actually happens really fast. When your kids are born, there is something that happens that you just love them. I think that that love still grows. I still do actually think it grows stronger over time, but in the matter of minutes, 
you go through loving an idea, somebody who's going to be born. It, it's a real person. Totally believe that. But um, uh, you're alive. But I don't know you yet, right? You're you're in in the womb, and then all of a sudden there's a person in the room, and you love them. And uh, but you do grow in that love. I'm I'm more talking about uh, relationally, with friends, or when you grow up and get married, uh, with your wife. You will you may experience that at first when you meet somebody, you you may like them and uh, you may care for them a lot, but usually there is a growth to love. And when you can test a relationship in its strongest ways, those ways include forgiveness, patience, self-sacrifice, service. And you actually grow to a point where you love somebody more than you love yourself. That is loving Christ-like. That is agape love. That is self-sacrificial love. And it's a beautiful thing. I only give this illustration just to show how strongly uh, these two friends had grown. So even when we're not perfect at loving somebody, because it takes a long time to really get there, we can practice it. We can practice putting others before ourselves. We can practice being humble and meek. We can practice being kind. None of these things mean that you allow yourself to get walked on. It means you allow yourself to serve others. And as you serve others, you are training the skills it will be necessary when you're actually put in a position where you have the capacity and the relational experience to love somebody the way you love yourself, maybe more. Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And he said, the second is like it, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. It says all the other laws are based on those two principles. And we're never going to be perfect, but when the Spirit of God is in our hearts, we have a chance to reflect that type of love. And that's the power of him growing in our heart. I love you boys. You guys are good kids. <laughs>